Hello, listener. Welcome to Marching In, a dedicated Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music comes from Lawrence Norton. If you want to stay up to date with the pod and find out about future guests and upcoming episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Marching In Pod. Hello, listener. Marching in podcast is back. Uh, joining me as ever, Luke Innes, is Sam Appleton. How are you, Sam? Yeah, not bad. It's been a while, but well, I would say get good to get back into the same side of things. But I'm sure we'll be the judge of that in the next uh, hour or so. <laughs> yeah. We were we were trying to squeeze in a pod when we could, and uh, typical timing, we do it off the back of a, a classic bump back down to earth with a 1-0 defeat at home to Villa. There were drones in the sky and groans in the stand come full time. Yeah, you practice you pra- hey, you that one. It's not just thrown together, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's where we'll leave the, the word play. Um, yeah, I think we obviously want to talk about Jones as a whole, given we haven't podded for a while, but we will start with the Villa game. I think it was a really interesting game and I was impressed quite heavily by Emery's Villa for large parts of the first half. They were so much better than us. And the game really has come down to one big call around the El Yanusi push, which makes sense to start there. But for me, the game you know, spoke... I guess, kind of a a bigger story around Jones, his deficiencies, and ultimately where we lack many things as a team. But let's start with the the push, and we can talk about the game as a whole. I'm not too... Was it definitely given for the push? Because I think it may have been um, Elianusi's, like, studs on Ramsey's, Ramsey's, like, ankle shit, um, back of his leg area. But, yeah. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, it's quite. It's I have quite not like... seen. I have not I've... seen match of the day. I have seen the clip that was going around on Twitter, and I was there, so I have no broader context. Yeah, I think I think it was given for that. I mean, personally, uh, in the cold light of day, the next day, I, if the foul is given immediately, I don't really have a problem with it. I think it probably. Is that side? I think it probably is that side of being a foul if it, if the referee sees it and gives it. But I don't see how it's one to overturn, especially if he's got to look at it. That I mean, we've seen VAR so many times now. He's got to look at it so many times to give to give the foul. It it's, it was a tough one to take. I mean, another thing I found weird, really weird, for such a controversial decision. Well, it's controversial to Saints fans' eyes anyway. They showed it on the big screen. The foul. Are they supposed to do that if it's if it's not? So this is the thing. I am thinking about VAR decisions that have happened when I've been there, and I think there is one replay that's shown once a decision is made. I, I do recall that happening, but for instance, the 
offside call for Watkins winner, they didn't show that once a decision has been made. Is offside different to fouls like that? I guess so, because it's not black and white. Is is that is that why I guess that well, yeah, I guess so. There's why. like yeah, 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 yeah. Like I think it was Chelsea away last season when Ward Prowse gets sent off. I remember that being shown in the oh, stand. Was it shown? Okay, I think I do once... actually remember Bertrand the nine nil. I think that was actually the first one that was ever shown on a big screen. Was Bertrand? When he, when he, um, I think it was, was it Ben Chilwell? He, he, he found, yeah, yeah. Or, or Pe- but the Perez, thing is, maybe. they show it. They showed, they showed it once yesterday, and I mean, I, 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 I saw it on on the screen, but it's not like it's a good experience for the fan. And I think this is one another thing that sort of for me is a real dampener because of VAR. You you don't have really any clarity over what that decision is given for, and we we obviously think it was given for different things. Coming in, chatting about it now, <laughs> like yeah, I, I I'm I agree with you, and then obviously we spoke about it. Was it clear and obvious? It, it just can't be. I think if it's given by the referee at the time, then it is what it is, and you move on from it. But overturning that feels very soft, and I also think that there is seemingly a new directive to have less VAR intervention. And that felt like it was beneath the threshold for VAR. It seems to be, I think it happened earlier in the, it happened earlier in the season. Obviously, we watched up, we both watched Arsenal May United earlier. The reverse fixture, when Arsenal were their goldest allowed, there was a foul and, and it was sort of on that sort of threshold. But it seems to be when, the, when it ends in a goal, the referees are like, oh, we've got to go back to the old threshold. It's, it's, a foul. it's a foul. But then when you see these little fouls in the middle of the pitch where someone just gets knocked off the ball or pushed over or, or it's quite a bit of contact and they go down, the refs just play on. It's, it's, it's carry on as you were. But when it when it suddenly ends in a goal, it's, yeah, they've got to intervene. It's just, it's not really any consistency. As, as I said, I don't, in, at the game I was fuming, in the evening, I was, I was pretty annoyed as well. But since then, I sort of, in the cold light of day, I can see why it was given, but I also don't think it was clear and obvious. Yeah. I need to rewatch it thinking about what you've said because the push for me, you can often see when a push sort of moves from there's like some contacts, but he that person hasn't made a material difference to the person going for the ball. And you often see those kind of shoves and little push in the back where you're like, yeah, you can actually see that that's made a difference to that player going for the ball. What I couldn't really see is that it almost looks like El Yanusi's done more than he actually has in his material contacts. So that that was kind of what why I thought it was particularly um, soft. But I guess let's talk about the game as a whole. We came into this three wins from three albeit two of those in cup competitions and one against, I mean, if you remove us, potentially the worst team in the league or at least the second worst. Um, But there was a kind of building atmosphere of we might be relatively competitive and and I'm not saying that we, we weren't, but it did feel like Villa were by far the most likely team to win this game if you kind of think about the 90 minutes on balance. Yeah, Villa were the better team. Completely agree. 
Um, you, you've got to think there's probably caveats. I, know, I mean, three wins is great. It was a great week. Three wins were great. But the first win, I think, caveat, I mean, we weren't very good at Palace. I mean, I was there and it was, I mean, Palace should have been two up. They hit the bar. Was it Edward Mateta hit the bar? I think it, I know, it was um, Mateta. And um, yeah, other than that, I don't think we played very well. It was very like, I mean, the first goal we score is a free kick, wind assisted free kick for Wolf Browns. And then Adam Armstrong nicks one off Guaita, who gives us a goal. I don't think we played very well. And City was, they weren't at it. We were very good. Can't take anything away from us in that game. And Everton, like you said, I don't think we were that good in that game. I don't think we were bad in the Everton game. But as you said, that's the, they're probably the joint. Well, I don't think I think us and them are going to go down. And yeah, that, other than Wall Prowse at the moment, where are the goals coming from? It's 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 looking very bleak. And um I thought Villa the first half, I thought we just didn't lay, lay a glove on them at all. I thought no. I thought I've really impressed with Kamara in field for Villa. I think he's a hell of a player. Douglas Louise as well was very good. I looked at their midfield before the game. I, I was a bit worried, and it proved to be the case. Really, I just don't think we we matched them at all. And we've got so many players that are lacking in quality, and it really showed against a team like Villa, who shouldn't aren't that much better than us. I don't think, but they just have that extra bit of quality that we that we lack. Yeah. I think you've touched on Kamara and Louise and Buendia as well in in the whole watching them connections together in terms of their their kind of passing networks and being so comfortable receiving the ball in tight situations we we just have no player that is that similar to that and I think we've spoken before that we probably do think that Ward Prowse plays better further up the pitch but you talk about lacking in quality. Romeo Lovey is an excellent talent, but will he kind of knit the play together like a Douglas Louise would, or will he receive the ball in tight areas, maybe like a, a Buendia would? Of course, they're different players, but it just feels like we have got two pretty workmanlike central midfielders when him and Diallo play together that just aren't, aren't good enough in terms of their their proper technical ability to control a football match right now. And whether that's, I mean, I think we both see far more potential in someone like Romeo Lavia to be an elite central midfielder. But there were also moments where he got caught on the ball because of a poor first touch. And I can't really remember that happening to the likes of Kamara or, or, or Louise. And I know he's, he's just coming back from injury, but there were some stark differences specifically in their build-up compared to ours. And we just couldn't really progress the ball. And I think we're going to talk about the segue from the the kind of Villa game to Jones more broadly. We'll talk about his his tactics and and what we've seen in t- from a footballing perspective. But th- this team just just can't really attack with good creative passing football. And whether that's personnel or coaching, I I don't know when that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, I keep hearing we need to sign. I mean, I agree with you, sign striker. I keep hearing that's our number one priority, but creatively, we look, we're so lacking. But and then, but then you look at our bench yesterday. 
Orsic and Alcaraz, you think two players you brought in January and he didn't hit the ground running. And just that, I mean, Alcaraz did, didn't come on, did he? Orsic came on. Didn't come on, no. Minutes. No, didn't come on, Alcaraz. But Diallo played 90 minutes. I think, personally, I mean, I don't want to pick on him, but Diallo is so far behind what we need. He's just, I don't, I don't know what he does to get to get 90 minutes. Only Anusi comes on as well, doesn't really do a lot other than concede a foul and cost us a goal. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, he just seems to play. I mean, even when he doesn't come on, he just seems to just doesn't doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. It just I know, I know. Quick. He I can't know. Take, can't take a player on. But then Diallo, yeah, just a midfielder will be one of the highest priorities for us in this window for me. I know we've been linked with a few, but we really need some help in that midfield because they could. He just Jones clearly doesn't fancy making Niles. I know he's on Alcaraz, but Alcaraz isn't the sort of midfielder we. We've been crying out for for a long time. Romeo's gone. We haven't replaced him. Well, we have, but with an eighteen-year-old, he can't complete ninety minutes because of his because of his injury record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel a bit sorry for Lavi because you can't rely on an 18, 19 year old midfielder to get you out of trouble when when it's the club's fault for leaving us short in that department. Yeah. I agree, Sam. I don't think you've said anything there that I can really add to. But yeah, just on Diallo, second half, we, we, we I think we had a good level of momentum early second half. But there were moments where we were kind of looking to control the ball in our sort of defensive midfield area. And he would just play the sloppiest pass that would effectively go straight to a, a Villa player. Probably happened about three or four times in that second half where we gave the ball away in really dangerous areas. And I know potentially the XG might have been closer than the dominance I think the Villa had but they had a lot of moments where if they played the right ball or you know yeah maybe kind of created an opening better I think it could have been easily two or three um I think just in terms of Alcaraz and potentially where he I kind of my gut feel is I'm not quite sure where we intend to play him because Jones has gone to this 4231 formation with Ward Prowse in that kind of central 10 position from what I've read about Alcaraz and I've watched a a couple of compilations as risky as that can be uh and he he is that like attacking midfielder he's not a a, you know a kind of CDM if we want to play those two defensive midfield players there but El Yanusi seems to be coming on as one of those central midfielders and playing a sort of weird like almost attacking central midfielder role, which I, I, I find a bit bizarre. Um, and I thought that we had, we did have a pretty good structure in that second half with with Idozi kind of pulling out to that right-hand side quite a lot. But we we seemed to lose it somewhat. Carl Walker-Peters, I also thought we had, had another really good game. I think he's, uh, over the last two to three weeks, I think he's been really good for us again. Um, but I, I kind of want to keep our most interesting attacking players on the pitch. And at the minute, if the ball doesn't really go to a dozy, <laughs> you know, you you do wonder where are we creating anything from? I, I, I fear that we're going to talk about the same stuff here, Sam. So maybe we'll, we'll kind of move it on and talk about Jones more broadly. I think that maybe an interesting like thing to do would be some positives from his initial couple of months and some some negatives of which there's plenty. But like, what is your? We haven't really spoken about this off the pod or on it. Where do you sit on Nathan Jones? Twenty second of January, he's had what two months working with this this team now. 
where are you at? I don't, I don't think it's working. I just don't. I think he lacks. I just think he lacks it. Lacks what we what we need. We needed to bring in someone who could hit the ground running and really get the players to improve. I thought after the. I mean, I generally thought after the Forest game he was gone. I couldn't see him coming back. I thought he was going to get. He was going to lose his job within a week, two weeks. I think he's been saved by those three. As I said before, caveated wins. I know they were good. They're obviously good at the time, but I, I do think there were caveats to all of those wins. But, and also he seems to be, um, he, he keeps saying we're solid defensively, but we just keep conceding from set pieces. We're not defending set pieces hard, as hard as we were under the rack. And that's leaving us so exposed. But I don't see why when we've been coached to do that for so long. I know, I think Ruben Sellers is quite a big part of the set piece coaching, but, I don't see why we would change how we've been coached for so long in set pieces, and that and also and it seems to have got worse. Um, I mean, his interviews are something else. There, very, very much like he likes to dig himself up, doesn't he? I mean, he's already called out quite a few people. He called out Paul Doswell, the Havant manager. I mean, probably rightly so after some of his comments about him. But yeah, it's I don't see how it's going to work with him as our manager. I mean. I don't, I don't think he'll lose his job anytime soon, but I don't think he's the answer at all. I think if we're going to play the, the way we're playing, we should have just got Sean Dyche in because A, he knows the division, and B, he would, I think he would get us playing a similar brand of football to what we're playing now and get better results. Yep. Uh, I tend to agree. There were those odd rumours that surfaced, I think, after the Forest game around Sean Dyche for either us or or Everton, which I feel, feels like probably a more likely destination now. Uh, the interviews. I, I, I can't believe some of the stuff that has come out of Nathan Jones's mouth. Obviously, the, the they thing troubled quite a lot of saints fans initially and i think people even looked into it like is this just the way he he talks and it's it's not he spoke about his loosened terms in completely a different light you know saying that he's watched them and you know they're not a, a football club that's used to winning matches all this kind of stuff that it's just some of the most peculiar things and then to be i think so spiky after we did put together some victories, and I think as you've touched upon, there are caveats there. I, I think I was quite surprised. And the thing is, as fans of Saints, of course we're going to hate it when he's saying some of that stuff and losing, but almost be like, the guy's a bit of a nutter, but you know, fair play. <laughs> he seems to have got a tune in the last couple of weeks and and we like these sort of comments when we're winning but I, I i personally think that it's slightly bizarre pretty much every pre or or, or kind of post-match specifically post-match comments i always think what what you know why has he said that or what on earth is he is he talking about there and, and why is he saying it in that way but in all of this i thought Ralph, I don't think, could was the easiest to warm to for some of the players, and clear there was a disconnect by the end. But the players do do seem to have warm to him, like Prowsey pushing him 
like he did to go towards the fans at, at Goodison Park. I've been surprised at some of their comments. Like it feels like he has forged a bit of a bond, but I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, in terms of the, le- the they comments, I'm sort of thinking that maybe he's sort of trying to distance himself from the poor results before he joined. He's just like, oh, it wasn't me. It was them. I wasn't in charge when we lost to Newcastle. I was in charge when we lost to, well, everyone else. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't. <laughs> and I think that's probably why. Um, I did find one of the weird comments that he said, oh, I've, I've got a 50% win rate so far in all competitions because you don't count Liverpool game because I was only here for two days. When if we if we won or drawn at Anfield, you can be sure he'd be taking the credit for it. A hundred percent. But it's bizarre. Yeah, I mean I, I was underwhelmed at the time and I remain underwhelmed. I don't really see what we're trying to play in terms of our football. We're leaving players on the bench that I don't think should be on the bench. We're playing players all the time that I don't think should be playing all the time. We're playing a crap centre-half at right-back who gets himself booked for no reason and the fans seem to absolutely love it. I mean, why is he taking... Like yesterday, why the hell is he running, like absolutely wiping out Tyrone Mings in, up the pitch in the... How long? 15, 20 minutes into the game? Sam, the guy's a liability... We cannot depend on Lianco at centre-back or right-back. That needs to change. I know, he is, he is. I mean, I, I don't want to pick on him because he clearly... Well, Jones seems to like him. He seems, he thinks he's one, he seems to be one of his troops, one of his favourites. But we, I know he have been linked with right-backs in January. I mean, I'm hoping that's why. He, he doesn't seem to fancy Perot at all, which I can possibly see. I think he's been really poor the last few months. Um. But yeah, he just he's just a liability. I know that better cut chats out, but we've got two centre halves there that are international centre halves. Lianco, he's got, he's got as much chance of playing international football as I have. <laughs> have you seen me play football? Hey, not a bad player in your day, Sam. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the thing is, I thought Salisu was really poor yesterday. Uh, but but kind of that aside, it's clear that two of the central defenders have to come from, I think Gilletta Saar probably is number one for me. I think it's no coincidence that we've looked more solid when he's in the team. And then it should be Belicocchep or Salisu and Lianco should be nowhere near the the starting 11. And I appreciate Perraud has, I don't think looked great over the last couple of months. I personally think that Cole Walker-Peet is right back and Perraud left back is a much more balanced side. But it's clear that Jones wants almost like a bruiser in there. And I know we've shifted to like more of a back three when we've had the ball. And I think we also went to a a back three in the second half yesterday as well. Well, I thought we looked better as a back three yesterday. Yeah, I I thought we did actually. That's probably because it means Bianca wasn't at right back. Yeah, exactly. This, like, this isn't, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work. And I'm I'm not talking about Jones more more broadly. I think my feeling is a bit more balanced potentially than yours, and uh, maybe should be given time. But the brand of football that we played, I mean, we'll, we'll chat briefly on the Forest game now, given it was probably one of the darkest moments in our our recent history. We were abysmal, and that typified what Jones had brought to the club at that point. It was horrendous. 
Yeah, I've been to five, six hundred Saints games in my life, and I reckon that's probably in the bottom three. I've I've been I've seen teams like we've seen like the, the Water Port Fleet years, the Steve Wigley years, and stuff like that. But at least under at least back in 08-09, we were like down in the dumps and we had no money. At least we saw we played some good football, but we had the young players and they weren't good enough, which was fine. That game was just awful. It was just like, forests were awful. <laughs> I know they fair play they won. It was I mean. People moaning about Steve Cooper saying that he never felt they were going to concede. I mean, I didn't. I never thought they were going to concede. It was just like we were so far off. It was unreal. Like to not have a shot on target. It's not in Forest. Is it's absolutely pathetic. And that, yeah, generally at full time of that game, I, I was ready for them to make a change. I, I know it was early, but I just thought, I thought it was sort of one of those like Frank De Boer moments at Palace where you just sort of hold your hands up for the club and just say, look. We've made a mistake. Let's get someone in who can get the players going in a different way and get us playing a better football. But obviously, they stuck with him. The, the Palace game coming so soon after that probably helped him. And then, yeah, it was um, like you said that night was just wow. It was beyond bad. Yeah, I think somewhere I saw it reported that we played maybe seventy plus long balls within those ninety minutes. And it felt like more. It felt like that was all we did. And how on earth do you play that many long balls within a 90-minute football match? I mean, the ball is in play for about two-thirds of that. It was horrendous. And I think I was equally as defeated. But, you know, we, we did have then a good 10 days following that. And I think the funny thing is that everyone can see Objectively, the football is terrible, but Jones still insisted that, you know, he wants to play, he keeps calling it sort of front-footed attacking football. I, I, I don't quite know what he, he means by that. And if that's what he means, then we we obviously aren't going to win many football matches. It's not even a case of being solid, you know, d- defending well and then playing long ball. We're not that good defensively and the brutal truth is you saw this yesterday we had Unai Emery's Aston Villa come to us and, and look much better side teams are too well coached in the Premier League right now for us to get away with this like we are un- unfortunately our, our players aren't good enough and I, I firmly believe that based on what we've seen that our, our manager isn't good enough should he be given a bit longer I still think think yes <laughs> But ultimately, I am agreeing with you that I'm not sure this is going to work. I mean, you look at the bottom three at the moment, it's not by accident that the bottom three managers are Nathan Jones, Frank Lampard and Gary O'Neill. Probably three of the weakest managers in the league. I mean, Lampard's had a good time in his career so far. Obviously, he did well at Derby. I thought he actually did okay at Chelsea at times, but he's one of the, he's one of the managers who is lacking most in the Premier League. You look at clubs like like Villa, like Wolves, they brought in. I mean, we're never in a million years going to bring, bring in a Lopetegui or an Emery, but they've shown ambition. They've shown they want to get out of it. They, they are going to get out, get out of it. I don't see either of those teams going down. Well, Villa, Villa certainly won't. I don't think Wolves will either. Just shows what, what we're up against with our budget and the size of club we are. And 
the, the risks we're taking in, our, in the big decisions we've made at the club. We've um, obviously spent a lot of money in the summer, but on young players, you probably aren't ready. I mean, case in point is the goalkeeper for me, I think. I don't think he should be playing week in, week out in the Premier League. He's obviously talented, but I think he's a, I think he's way off what what's needed. I think the club hamstrung himself in the first place anyway by McCarthy having to stay at the club because of his contract. But yeah, we've um, taken a risk on the players in the summer and now we've taken a risk on a manager that isn't Premier League standard and I think it's going to come back to bite us on the arse massively. I asked you, Sam, when he first took over, does he sound like the sort of manager that a team gets relegated with? And my gut feel was yes. Nathan Jones is the sort of manager that you you get relegated with. And for, I think, all his shortcomings, someone like a Ralph Arsenault is, is not as much as I felt that the change should be made. And when you compare, as you said, to Emery Lopetegui, De Zerbi, I think even, even Cooper, other teams who obviously have bigger budgets than us, are potentially bigger clubs, have have just been smarter in who who they've hired. All right, Samuel. I think we've had a good thorough chat on Jones Ball and Nathan Jones as our manager. Should we should we just start? Should we just go through whether we think we'll go down? <laughs> yeah. Was that was that last bit not clear enough? Go on, Sam. <laughs> Do, do you think we're going down? Uh, yes, I, yes, I do. I think we'll be down. I think we'll go down quite comfortably, actually. Unfortunately, I just don't see us laying a glove on enough teams. My gut feel is we're also going down. Uh, will it be close? I think Bournemouth. I think Everton are going to make a change. I don't really know what I'm basing that on. Maybe there's stories today that I've seen in my subconscious that mean he's he's going. But I think us and Bournemouth could be cut adrift. Yeah. Let's hope for right. some. Uh, let's hope for some cl- cup glory, which we will talk about now. Are we going to do a Wigan? Well, I think they won the FA Cup. Uh, no, <laughs> Wigan, we... Birmingham, Birmingham, wasn't it? Birmingham did the League Cup and relegated. Same season. Okay. First leg, Tuesday night, big one. Very exciting to be in like a two-legged semi. I do like a two-legged semi. For, I think they're fun games. Obviously, we've got very good recent memories of them. I'm really looking forward to this, even though I don't think we're going to come out on top. No, I think, personally, I think they're probably the worst draw we could have had. I think Newcastle were probably the toughest of them. I know, I know Man United are in it, and I get that, but I think of... The draws to get to get Newcastle and then have them away second as well, I think is possibly the toughest draw we could get in that in out of the out of the three. Because if we, I mean, even if we have that, I mean, for and say if we get we win two 0 on Tuesday, which which won't happen. Um, I still think we'll have massive problems in St James's Park because their crowd will be right up for it, and. It's their first chart. I think it will be the first major cup final since '99, and mm. yeah, it's going to be a massive ask. They haven't conceded a goal in, in about. I don't think they conceded a goal since like, no. October. Was was, no. was the last goal they conceded Perot? 
that, I mean, I, I might have just, just got that off the top of my head. Okay, now, uh, you know what? It might work well a bit. They haven't conceded a first half goal in the last 16 Premier League matches I saw as well. They're just they're just so good. They're so well drilled. Howe's done an excellent job. They've got a very good team. Obviously, a lot of Saints fans were hopeful that Bruno um, Guimaraes was going to be out for a while, but he's back playing yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, started yesterday. He was crying on the pitch last, last <laughs> Sunday. All of a sudden, he's back. But good news for us. Um, yeah, I mean, look at from the football side of things. They've done a really good job, haven't they? Like, I mean, look at their back line and Trippier, Burn. I mean, I mean, Cher, who I didn't rate at all before this season, has been brilliant. Bachman looks like an absolute class act. Nick Pope's the sort of poorer goalkeeper we've been going for. I mean, we get to compete with the new cup with Newcastle for him, but it's a sort of class of goalkeeper we should have been after. And then, I mean, their options in attack are pretty scary. When Al were on a player, again, who I did not wait for this season at all, he's been on top form. And then you've got Callum Wilson, England, England striker, and £60 million Alexander Isaac. And some maximum like normally has a day out against us as well. So, yeah, it could be a Tough couple. Well, it's going to be a very tough couple of games, and um, I really struggle to see a how we're going to score, and b how we're going to get through. Yeah, and your point about the away leg, I also think, is very, very important here. You know, if you think about, if you imagine, if we took that two nil first leg win to the Etihad in the quarterfinal still you know we wouldn't be favourites to go through and I think the gulf between us and Newcastle is so vast that as you say even if we win on Tuesday night which I can't really see that happening and like you say about that parade goal that was a a distinct consolation in a 4-1 defeat that spelled the end for Ralph Arsenal that was the last time they were they, they they came to St Mary's obviously um, just on a sort of brighter note, I think this was tweeted somewhere, but our record in domestic cup, obviously domestic cups, but <laughs> given we're not playing anywhere else, but our record in cup competitions in the last five to six years has been pretty good, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, obviously we've had a couple of semi-finals. I mean, less, I mean we've had two pretty non-event semi-finals in the FA Cup. The, um, the Chelsea game was one of the most one-sided games I've ever been to. And the last of the game was just rubbish for both teams. They managed to get a goal. We should have we should have won that. We should have gone for it more in that game. Ralph really annoyed me in that game. But obviously the, the great, great memories of um, the Liverpool two games where it wasn't just, we didn't just fluke it over two legs. We, actually, we outplayed them over two legs. It was it was brilliant. And um, obviously had that great day at Wembley where we should have won that as well. And... Well, do you count the JPT as well with that? Mm, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That it's was funny. two legged semi final. Two legged semi final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, of course it was. Um, yeah, we were we were so good in those two legs against Liverpool. We were really good in the final as well. I reflect on that day so fondly because to pull ourselves back into the game and be the better side and obviously be robbed um, was. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Sam, before we finish up, we've talked 
Jones, will we get relegated? We both are saying yes, a bit on the Newcastle <laughs> game. Let's quickly talk about transfers. Things are pretty quiet at the minute. There are a few links. The most, I guess, most prevalent right now seems to be the Jackson, Nicholas Jackson and Villarreal, who everyone's already writing off from a Saints fan perspective, which is lovely to see. Expect nothing less. Uh, but what do we need? I think we, we've covered it a little bit, but like, where would you like to see our strengthen and potentially how many players do you think we need? Uh, getting a long list out of how many players we need there. <laughs> um, we need we need a striker. We need a striker since Danny Ings left. Um, whether Nicholas Jackson's the answer. Did I, I did actually see him play live earlier this season. against against Sevilla, which I think was Emery against Popotegi. Um That's quite a uh, yeah. He, that's he, quite a fun little fact. Yeah, he didn't. He did. Um, didn't stand out in that game. So I've auto- automatically written him off as absolutely useless. So, well, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, another midfielder as a touch earlier, someone to play in the um, in the six role, a bit, bit more defensive. We've been linked with right backs. I know we were linked with Juranovic, but he's come to Union Berlin. So yeah. it like, sounds like James Bree from Luton, another one of um, George's lieutenants. Uh, <laughs> And I'd love to see another, I've never seen another creative player, but I think that ship's probably sailed with Alcaraz and Orsic. Funny, isn't it? Like we we haven't really seen anything of Alcaraz and Orsic, but the fact we haven't, you're already like, fuck, we probably do need more creative players. But we we have bought two pretty highly rated players, one a prospect and one relatively experienced goal scorer, including in the Champions League. Just hope to see more of them. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much with you on on what we need. I I do just want to pick up on your comments on Bazunu. Really disappointing to see what we kind of thought was a very exciting goalkeeper and potentially needs, you know, just more time. But he has been poor and potentially if we don't, I don't know. I I think there were Jacob Tanswell touched on the fact that McCarthy's back now in training. I don't know if he'll he'll play at all, but. To see Willie Caballero warming up when Bazunu went down was a pretty grim sight because <laughs> I don't, yeah, th- think that's working. I don't think we're going to change it. And obviously, there's high hopes that Bazunu will become the goalkeeper that we thought we were buying, but he certainly hasn't been that. And I think statistically, he's been the worst keeper, not even just in the Premier League. I think in terms of expected goals conceded, potentially the worst keeper in the top five leagues in Europe. Which and is, I think is, Mark Travers is helping him out. I think Mark Travers has just knocked him off top spot. Oh, really? Well, there you go. Yeah. So good. Thank you. Is he Irish as well? So it's not really good for Irish goalkeepers, is it? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's Irish footy for you. Um, yeah, striker, potentially some winger. I mean, Jackson seems like he plays more naturally on, on the wing anyway. Uh, and, and then I think the positions you kind of covered right back in central midfield. We do also have Blackpool at home on Saturday. And just to kind of shout out to potentially a couple of our youngsters who might make their debuts, I can't really see how JJ Morgan won't get minutes, performing so well for for is our. Six, our is our... he sixteen? Is he sixteen? I th- I think he might be seventeen now. I think him and Ballard are seventeen. He just he just scores every game, isn't it? I mean, yeah. give him a go. I mean, he can't do any worse than we're doing at the moment. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's the thing, isn't it? It's like. 
there's so much excitement about Ballard when I mean you were there that night that he scored in in the League Cup, probably up the first first round of the League Cup for us at least. Um, and like, just please, just give these players a go because I think even if like the football is turgid, it is exciting to see some of our young players come through, and we haven't had anyone for so long. So I, I would love to see JJ Morgan specifically get minutes on on Saturday, and I think the rumor is that he is definitely going to be part of the squad as he's been recently. But whether he'll play or not, I don't know. But it's another good chance to progress in in the cup competition, which potentially, if we get knocked out of the League Cup, we can have a decent FA Cup run, and then we might well do a Wigan, mate. So you corrected me, and it was Birmingham that did League Cup and, <laughs> and relegation. Potentially, we can do a Wigan. Do the, do the double and get do the, do the cup double and get relegated. Yeah, that. Surely, I mean, we might go back into the dark ages. That surely no one's ever done that. Let's give it a go. Give it a go. All right, Sam. Well, lovely to be back chatting. We're going to try and do this as regularly as our diaries allow. So, yeah, potentially um, next week or the following week. But let's see where we end up in those couple of weeks. What have we got? So we've got Newcastle Tuesday, uh, Blackpool, and then Black- Brentford. Blackpool. Brentford, yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. I assume you're going to Brentford. I am, yeah. Just I don't, I walk there from. Yeah, home. I, th- I thought so as much. Quite nice. God, last season was a pretty harrowing day at the office, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably the darkest one of last season. I mean, maybe hopefully, hopefully we can improve on that a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, talking of giving youngsters minutes, I think Tyler Dibbling was on the bench that day. A player that's obviously gone to Chelsea and now back and banging them in for us again under 18 levels. Nice. All right, Sam. Well, thank you, listener, for staying the course. We've talked about a lot of topics there and I hope it was enjoyable for you. It certainly was for, for me and Sam. So, yeah, looking forward to speaking to you all soon. 